Good morning. So, thank you, Christian. Isn't that so awesome? America. His wife is actually French, so they're kind of a mixed marriage. Um, So, in light of that, can we please just quiet our hearts before the Lord and just pray? Heavenly Father, we submit our hearts to you. We thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are overall, that you are mighty in power, that you are seated on the throne in righteousness and majesty and, and sovereignty, Lord. Lord, we just thank you so much for the freedom that we're afforded in the country that we live in. We're grateful, Lord, that we can be part of the process. And I personally am really excited that it's almost over. Lord, I think you probably are too. <laughs> Lord, and I just um, I just agree with Christian, Lord, that you, no matter what happens, Lord, you are still God. Father, in this morning, Lord, as, <clears throat> as I bring the word, talking about spiritual battles, I just ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would go before us. Lord, that you would clear the path, that you would make a way straight, Lord, for us to to increase in our learning and in our understanding and our knowledge of who you are and what your word says. We just invite your presence. Lord, I just pray that you would silence any confusing spirits, any lying spirits, any deceiving spirits that would want to come in and stir up chaos. Lord, we ask that you would silence them in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you know all things and you know our hearts. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to be talking about keeping calm in the battle. Um, Unfortunately, I have been studying this one particular passage for the last, actually the last couple of months, and I didn't realize that I was supposed to teach on this other part, so I'm just going to touch on the, the first section. I would like to be able to give it more time but unfortunately, I won't be able to. So, um, But I do think that it's really significant that we go in order and that we cover the entire book of Ephesians. Um, by the way, uh, can you all say hello to the American Fork campus? Hello, American Fork. We have an extension campus down, guess where? You guys are bright. So um, I don't see it up here, so I'm not sure. It's not up there. Okay. Okay. Um, So first of all, we're going to talk about our relationships at work, uh, starting with Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5. If you've never been here before, we are going through the entire book of Ephesians. It's taken us actually several months, which I think it could probably have taken us several years, really, to really dig into it, but um, we're we're kind of flying through it pretty rapidly. Um, Starting with verse 5, slaves, obey your earthly master with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Okay, so currently in America... We don't really have slaves. Um, Culturally, that was happening 
when this was written, a lot of people have tried to make the claim that the Bible endorses slavery because it discusses it. Let me just unequivocally say the Bible does in no way endorse slavery. It's just addressing what was happening in that current culture and that there were people that felt that it was okay for them to own other people, which I think is completely against God's intent and his design for us. However, we are all, as it says in verse 6, we are all slaves of whom? We're slaves of Christ. So when we are working for another person, we are really not working for a human being, but rather we are serving the Lord. That's why it says serve or work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Just imagine that God is your boss. Not that your boss is God. <laughs> that God is your boss, and ultimately it's, it's him that you're serving. And he is the one who's going to write your review. So that you're not thinking about if your boss is horrible or if your boss is amazing. It doesn't really matter. It's the Lord that you're serving. It says, remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven. And he has no favorites. So you keep in mind, if you're an employer, you need to treat your employees as though they were just as vital and just as important to God as you. In other words, you don't... God is not about hierarchy. You know, I've heard the saying, and you probably heard it too, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level, that we're all one in Christ if we know him. Um... Because we don't experience slavery now, this, this isn't exactly the way that it works. But if you, if you read into it, um, employer, employees, the principle still applies. Um, just act as though you're serving the Lord, whether you're an employer or whether you're an employee. The next part that I wanted to discuss with you is uh, spiritual battles. And uh, we're going to talk about this uh, at length, and actually next week we're going to have a panel discussion with myself and Ka'ule Lee and Pete Kligman, and we're going to discuss the historicity and the hardware and the uses of the different weapons <clears throat> and what spiritual warfare really is, the practical application. <clears throat> so I just encourage you to be here for that too. We're really going to go in depth. But for today, I'm only going to cover just three verses Starting with verse 10, would you read this out loud with me, please? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It says clearly here, finally. Okay, this is covering all of Ephesians about the sovereignty of God, the power of God, the might and the majesty, and then talking about our place in the kingdom of God and how he views us and our great inheritance and how we were created to be masterpieces. And then it talks about human relationships and human interaction and wives and husbands and children and slaves and masters. And then it says, finally. This is the end of the letter, and he's saying, 
This is my final point. So it's important to take note of what he's saying. He's saying, be strong in the Lord. Actually, a better translation for this would be, be strengthened in the Lord, rather than being strong in the Lord. Because when it says, be strong in the Lord, it makes it sound like it's our responsibility to do something rather than to allow the Lord to strengthen us. And it says, and in the strength of his might, that is where we're strengthened. We cannot be strengthened on our own. We can't just like dig deep and get enough strength on our own. We need to rely completely on the spirit of the living God. It says um, in Psalm 144, um, I've, I've been at, having a retreat with the Lord up in Park City, and I've just been, I love to listen to the word. I'm an auditory learner, so I have been just soaking and soaking and soaking in the word of God um, from like Psalm 143 through the end. And I've listened to these psalms probably 60 or 65 times just over and over and over again. And it's just, to me, it's so incredible that when I walk away from hearing the word of God, I just, I just have this feeling that he's for me. You know, I think God gets a really bad rap from a lot of different religious branches. You know, it's like, they think, you know, they make people feel like God's so ticked off at them all the time. Or like, you are just such a disappointment to God. And that is not his heart. I mean, his heart is that he's for us and read the, uh, listen to this as I read. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and he gives my fingers skill for battle. He is my loving ally. Sorry. He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield. And I take refuge in him. He makes the nation submit or to be conquered to me. Does this make you feel like God's just so mad at you? I mean, this is what the word says. It says that he is kind to the righteous. It says he loves the righteous. And again, we're not righteous because of our own activities. We're righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is the only way that we can be found righteous in him. And it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Stay alert. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Have you guys ever been to the MGM Lion Refuge in Vegas? I can't tell you about it, of course, because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But um, <laughs> we went there one year. You know that, do you remember the lion that roars in the beginning of the movie? Like, is that too old? You know the lion they have well they have all of these lions <laughs> yeah <laughs> they have all these lions and they they put them in this um this huge compound right off the strip in Vegas and lions are scary lions are massive 
I mean, literally, a lion could take your head and just crush it with one bite. They are so scary. And that is what the Bible compares our enemy to. You know, it says, it says he is a roaring lion. He is looking for someone to destroy. He is looking for someone to devour. But it says, what? Run after him. Rebuke him. Cast him out. What does it say? Stand firm. And be strong in your faith. You see this whole passage here, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, I really believe that this is talking about the gospel and it's talking about the grace of God that the enemy totally wants to rob from us so that we'll do things that are inconsistent with our beliefs concerning his grace. If you don't know what the, what the word gospel means, the definition of gospel, and it is a capital G, gospel, it means good news. It means that we are sinners who cannot save ourselves no matter how hard we try. We need a savior to come in and God sent his own son who was perfect, who died on the cross for our sins so we could be reconciled with our maker. That is the gospel, period. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is It is finished. We stand firm in that. We stand firm in our faith. We stand against the the evil. Him too. (laughs) Evil one, I was going to (laughs) say. We stand firm against him when he comes to accuse and to lie and to cheat. You know, I've been uh, studying the, the story of Gideon in the Old Testament. You know, Gideon's army, it was 32,000 men who were going to go into this battle. And God said, nope. He goes, if you send that many in, the Israelites will think that it had something to do with their strength. So he said, I want any of you who are afraid to go home. Guess how many left? 22,000. 32,000 minus 22,000 leaves only at mere 10,000. So then God says, nope, still too much. So he has him go down to this little stream. I've actually been there in Israel. It was pretty profound. But he says, I want, these, I want to watch how these men drink. The ones who cup like this and drink, those are the ones I want. The ones that lap like dogs, they need to go home. And there's, there's a lot of different teachings on what this means. I personally think it means that the ones who, who were drinking like this were alert. They were looking up in the mountains for their enemy. They were being alert, like it says here in 1 Peter 5. They were alert. The other ones are just, you know, just lapping up the water. So that was my dog imitation. <clears throat> and so God whittled it all the way down to 300 people. You know, and the thing is, if we think that there's something that we can do on our own strength, if we think we can stand against the devil on our own, we are seriously deceived. You know, I lived with a couple once, and their son, um, he he, uh, used drugs, and one night they were doing a Ouija board, and he, it, it freaked him out. How many of you know there are spiritual things that are not from God? Okay, we're going to get into that later. Okay, so, but anyway, this Ouija board thing 
it freaked him out. So he came, he came to me and he said, do you have a Bible I can use? And I'm like, I had just become a Christian. I was so excited. I'm like, yes. So I gave him one of my 10,000 Bibles. I gave it to him only to find out that all he did was sleep on it that night on his head. And I told him the next day, I said, you know, you actually have to open it up for it to have any power. But anyway, <clears throat> I think he was, he was not one who was la- lapping with his hand. I think he was probably one who was lapping like a dog. You know, there are two dangerous extremes when it comes to our enemy. Either we dismiss them or we are terrified, like the 22,000 in Gideon's army that went home. We have to be really careful that we don't fall into one extreme or the other. We need to be balanced in our belief concerning what, what the Bible says about Satan and his minions and what Jesus says about Satan and his minions. We can either fall into ignorance or into fear. It's important for us to understand. This, these are the works of the evil one. Just, this is just a partial list. He seduces. He buffets. This is not buffet. This is, he doesn't feed you. <laughs> This is like, like pummeling you, like boom, 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 beating you. I'm sure my form's wrong. I'm sure you'll all tell me later. I know it's like that or something. Anyway, none of you? (laughs) Nobody knows how to box? Eric always used to show me how to box. Anyway, but buffeting means like to just constantly be pummeling tempting. He tempts, he opposes, he resists, he sows discord, he divides, he deceives, he accuses, he mocks, he tricks, he hinders, he blasphemes God, he lies, he imitates, and we cannot be ignorant. We need to know our enemy. We need to know who he is, not to be obsessed and looking for him under every rock, but to understand his methods. That's the word schemes. It means his methods, the different methods that he uses. We cannot be ignorant. We need to know our, our enemy. And, <clears throat> you know, this is, like, this is like what the world says that hell is going to be like. You know, there's a lot of jokes about it. This one says their suggestion box, and they're all just sitting there cracking up. That's not a realistic view of what hell's going to be like. There's not going to be a lot of laughing. Actually, there's not even going to be any light. So, and over here, it says homicidal maniacs, terrorists, people who drive too slowly in the fast lane. <laughs> Truly. It says that the devil is a schemer. He wants us to kind of have a sense of levity about him. He wants us to just kind of think, oh, he's not really that strong. Either that or he wants to traumatize us. But when we know who he is and we know who we are in Christ, we don't have to fall into one extreme or the other. It says in 2 Corinthians 2, excuse me, so that Satan will not outsmart us. This is all in the context of forgiveness, incidentally. You know, bitterness and unforgiveness completely opens up a door for the evil one. So if you have unforgiveness or bitterness or even slight irritation with another person, just deal with it. Get rid of it forgive in the same manner in which you've been forgiven because you don't want to open up a door for the enemy. It says we are familiar with his evil schemes. You know, Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything, but he's been around a long time and he's had some pretty good success in what he does in his job. 
And he knows enough about our human nature to know exactly which method to use on which personality type. You know, you notice there are certain people that have a certain propensity toward one sin, and you're just thinking, why would they ever want to do that? But then you, on the other hand, you know, maybe yours is pride or greed or envy or something, and theirs may be lust or addiction or something, you know? But we all have our areas where the enemy knows how to get to us and how to tempt us, and he knows the methods that are going to be effective. He is a deceiver, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 4, Satan, who is the God or the prince of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. John 8, 44, why can't you understand what I'm saying? He's, He's not talking to believers here. He's talking to unbelievers. He's saying, it's because you can't even hear me. For you are children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the things, the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Satan is a liar. You know, have you ever noticed... You'll get an impression about something or a sense or, you, or something will just kind of pop into your mind and it will, you will totally go down this rabbit trail following that thing. Like in the day of evil, you ever have those days where you just sense there's just something opposing you? Like you just know there's just something that's, there's just that, I don't know how to describe it, but there's that oppression, that day of evil where you're open to all kinds of stinking thinking, you know? I had that happen to me this last week. I, I got a text from somebody, and and uh, and I read so much more into it. And I, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was just obsessing over it, just thinking about this and this and that, and then it led to this and that and this and that, and I just went down this just ridiculous trail of lies. Or have you ever met someone where you think you think they think something about you? I had this friend in California. She was she was the sweetest and most loving person, but she was a little bit vain and she did not like to wear her glasses. So she didn't ever recognize people. Like she'd come to church and she didn't recognize anybody. So she kind of just always walked around like this. <laughs> and everybody thought she was really stuck up. But it wasn't... She really wasn't. She was super loving. And if people got close enough, then she would be really open to them. But that opened up so much discord in her life and so much misunderstanding because people would think a certain thing about her that wasn't even how she was. It was just the evil one sowing those seeds against her. And you know the devil will tell you a lie and then he will set up all kinds of circumstances to, sh- to show you that that's really true. You, you ever notice that the little the little methods that the enemy uses on you, like for example, um, nobody likes you, and then he'll set up a scenario at work and he'll tell somebody a little lie, and then they'll start to reject you, and then someone else will come, <clears throat> and then the evil one will sow discord there just start buffeting you. See? 
Nobody likes you. So you totally buy into this lie of rejection. Or you might believe the lie that you don't deserve good things to happen to you, the lie of worthlessness. So the enemy will set up all kinds of scenarios in your life. You'll get fired or you won't get the job you want or you'll get, you know, something will happen and the enemy will set it up and say, see, you're worthless. This is how our enemy works. He's a father of lies. And might I say to you that if you believe anything contrary to what the word of God says about you, it is demonically inspired. Whether or not you embrace it, that's between you and the Lord, but it is, it is in, inspired by the pit of hell from the enemy who wants to devour you. He is a counterfeiter. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen says, These people are false apostles. False apostles, deceitful workers who disguise themselves as what? But I'm not surprised. Even Satan himself disguises as an angel of light. So it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Again, I'm going to go back to that same point. Just because something is spiritual does not mean it's from God. Satan is a counterfeiter. He will counterfeit everything to try to draw you away from the Lord. He will use hallucinogenics. He will use painkillers. He will use alcohol. He will use lust. He will use whatever it takes to try to counterfeit something and he will also use things that look like God that are not God. Here, Satan does not look like any of these following things. He's not like the goofy jovial <laughs> devil. He's not that guy. He certainly is not going to dress in a scariest costume to try to come and deceive you. Why would he do that? Why would he out himself like that? And he's not like this cute little innocuous little little cartoon character. He may look like one of these. Any of those look familiar? See they're all spiritual, right? They're all spiritual. But are they of God? You guys remember him? Those of you from the late 80s, early 90s? I won't go into it now. Oh, I'm so tempted. But anyway, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, in that special. One of these. Anyway, moving on. We do not need to fear. We do not need to fear, even though Satan wants to come and roar at us. He doesn't have any power. The only power that he has is the power of a lie, if we choose to believe it. 
That's the only power that he has. We do not need to fear. Jesus himself said, you're going to love this, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you, what? I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. How much of the power of the enemy? What? Us? He gave us the authority over all of the schemes of the devil? Wow. I mean, I, I would not be one to counsel God, but I wouldn't, personally, I would not give that authority to someone like me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it says he has given us authority over all the power of the enemy and You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are what? Yes. It says in John 12, Now judgment is upon this world. The prince of this world, who is Satan, will be cast out. Luke 11, 18. You say I'm empowered by Satan. He was being accused, falsely accused by the religious leaders. It says, it says, you, wait, you say that I'm empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and is fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? We need to put on the armor of God. Ephesians six eleven, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Against the schemes or the methods of the devil. We have weapons of warfare. It says in first, or 2 Corinthians 10, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. See, this is the sole reason Satan hates you so much. Because he does not want you to be ministers of light. He does not want you to be representatives of Christ. This is the reason he wants to keep you in bondage. This is the reason he continues to make you believe lies about yourself or about your salvation or that you're not good enough or that you're not saved or that you're worthless or that you're rejected. This is why, because he does not want you to be used to expand the kingdom of God. We need to submit to God. It says in James 4, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The highway to hell, it says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many that choose that way. You guys, the battle is real. It's not a pretend thing. It says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You ever, you ever sense sometimes like in your marriage or in, in some relationship? Like you just, you feel like, wow, how come we cannot get through this issue? Like there's something just so confusing or just so stirring everything up. That is because there are demonic forces that are trying to devour you. They are trying to destroy you. It says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our opponents, 
are principalities. They're ranked. They're ranked in, in order here of four. Principality is kind of the closest translation to this. That means the initiator of something, the principality, the beginning of something. That's the one that initiates the wickedness. The second one is the power or the authority. They have control or dominion over something or someone or even over a certain region. The third one is the rulers. This one is, uh, the, the original word is the cosmocrator. It's, it's about the one who holds the world. It's the power of darkness in this present age. Satan and his demons. And the last one is the spiritual forces of wickedness in the high places. These are like the little ones that go out and wreak havoc and do all kinds of harm and tell all kinds of lies. But they're ranked just like in the military. And typically the Bible talks about principalities and powers together. And these are the ones that come to destroy us. And the battle comes in various, various ways. Our battle can come through testing, through trials, or through transgressions. Testing is the temptation or the accusation and doubts which are demonically inspired. I already talked about that. Telling you, no, you're not saved. You haven't done enough. You haven't prayed enough. You haven't read your Bible enough. No, you haven't fasted enough. You haven't done enough good works. These are all lies from the pit of hell. How many of us have prayed enough? Anybody in here? Anybody read the Bible enough? Anybody done enough good works to earn their salvation? One. (laughs) We have a taker. (laughs) None of us. We cannot earn our salvation. So when the enemy comes and says, oh, you're not saved, you know what you do? You just say, because of what Jesus did on the cross, I know that I'm saved. Let me just use an example that will be very current. How, how many of you have ever heard about a baseball team called the Cubs? Anybody? <laughs> okay, so the story is, for those of you who are not sports aficionados, so the Cubs haven't won a World Series since 1908. So a long time. <laughs> 108 years, if you do the math. <laughs> and they just won in the seventh game of the World Series. It would be as though someone were to go to that team and say, you guys didn't win the World Series. They're like, "Uh, pretty sure I was there. (laughs) Not that we were there when Jesus died on the cross, but it's the same thing. We have the victory because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. In the same way that the Cubs, if someone were to come and call them losers, they could just go, no, we won. Now, for me, this is a fantasy. I would love to see the Vikings go to the Super Bowl. Yes. And win. They've been there four times, never won. Okay, I've lived a life of disappointment. But anyway, but imagine that, let's just imagine together, shall we, that the Vikings won the Super Bowl. And someone comes up to him and says, "Uh, you didn't win. You didn't win the Super Bowl. They're like, "Um, I have the ring. I have the footage. I was there. In the same way, Jesus Christ purchased the victory for us on the cross. So when the enemy comes and tries to tell you you're not good enough, you haven't done enough, you're not saved, you just point to the cross. Go, I got the ring. I was there. I have the footage. Because Jesus Christ purchased the victory 
for us. He became sin so that we could be set free from our sin. You know, the enemy wants to come and he wants to just lie to us about our standing in Christ. And he also wants to come and continue to bring these besetting sins. And many of the things that you find yourself doing over and over and over and over and over, that's what besetting sins are, they are demonically inspired. You know, there is a spirit behind pornography. It's called porneo. There is a spirit behind addiction and lust and greed. Yes, we have these things within us, just in our sin nature, but there are spirits that come and ignite our sin nature and play into it the methods that come against us. You know, the spirit of porneo includes fantasy for women who like to read those kind of books. Maybe not just women. Or pornography or adultery telling you, oh, that person would make you much happier than your spouse. Masturbation. And then addiction. Talks in, in Revelation about pharmakia, which means drugs. Pot, painkillers. There are spirits behind these things. And Satan knows our method. He knows the method that he can use to get to us. Another thing that he loves to use is fear. He loves to give us irrational fears. Excuse me, over and over, he'll come in and lie. Tell you things are going to happen that don't happen. Tell you things, things that people are thinking about you that they're not thinking. Another way that the battle comes, it's through the testing, also through trials, just the difficulties of life, just going through hard, hard times. I heard a teaching by a friend of mine, um, and she talked about the difference between clean pain and dirty pain. She said clean pain is just kind of the things of life that happen to us. They're not necessarily rooted in anybody's sin or anything. Like, for example, your house burns down or your car blows up, which I actually had happen one time. Or, you know, you lose your job or something. These things are like clean pain. They don't really involve sin. And then there's dirty pain. And that's, that leads to the next one, which is transgressions. And the battle can come through transgressions, not just through our own transgressions, the choices we make and the decisions we make and the things that we give into, the strongholds that we allow in our own lives, which only lead to shame, but they also come through the sins that are committed against us. You know, there's a battle there. There's a battle to forgive. I mean, don't you guys wrestle with that at times? It's like, ah, you just go over and over and over it in your mind. You rehearse it. You know, like a musician rehearses. You have to stop that and understand there's a spirit that is at work trying to get you to obsess over that. A spirit of bitterness. But here's the good news. The Cubs won the World Series. (laughs) But even more importantly, it says in Exodus 14, 13, Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch 
the Lord rescue you today. What does he say to do? Stand still. Are you seeing a theme here? Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Who's going to fight for you? The Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies, the God of all gods, the creator of the heavens and the earth will fight for you. Remember, he's your loving ally. He trains your hands for battle. He says, just stay calm. Don't you love that? He's going, just chill out, people. Just stay calm. Because God will fight for you. But I need to keep it real here. If you call yourself a Christian, but you don't read the Bible on a regular basis, you can never, ever be free. Ever. You can only be free when you're regularly reading the word of God and allowing it to transform your heart and your mind. Because ultimately, if it transforms your heart and your mind, it will transform your actions. And, and God will make you hate your sin so that you will walk away from it. You will not cling to it. I, I cannot stress this enough. The only way that I got set free was through the word, the word of God. I don't have any other way to say it. The Bible, B-I-B-L-E. That is the book for me. <laughs> I stand alone. And, okay, going on. <laughs> we need only to stand. We need to stand firm in our faith. We need to trust that Jesus has paid the price for us. He has won the battle. He has given us the victory. We are not victims any longer. We are victors. We do not have to succumb to the spirits of wickedness any longer. Jesus came to set us free. It is for freedom that he set us free. Amen? So keep calm and trust God. Next week, we're going to have a panel discussion. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about the armor of God uh, this week and next, or next week and the week after. And um, we will probably have a time of question and answers. So if you want to bring some questions to us, they will be screened. So... Just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, anyway, um, Ira, are you here? Ira's going to come on. Can you welcome Ira? So, we're going we're gonna to stand in a second, but we're going to stand on purpose, all right? Not just to leave. That scripture talks about that we need to stand Stand in the truth of the word of God. And maybe today you've heard that there is victory in Christ. But you're looking at your life and you're thinking that doesn't pan out into my life. Well, we have two more weeks of this. And as we stand right now, I just want to encourage you to stand with the affirmation, God, I believe you. I believe your promises, even if I don't feel them right now. And I want to be free in all the areas of my life. So should we stand with that in mind as a purpose? Let's stand. 
Let's proclaim this to the Lord, all right, as a prayer. Can you guys just repeat after me? Savior of the world, my Savior, you have come to set me free. Greater are you who are in me than the devil in the world who wants to attack me. And so right now, I stand. I stand on the word of God. I stand on who you are. Your promises that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And I promise God that I will walk through these situations in your power. In your might, through your promises, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we stop, I just want to give opportunity. Is there anyone here who wants to give their heart to the Lord? Maybe they've been running. I know what that's like to run from God. If you've been running from God and God is drawing you back, he's saying you could be set free from these things that are causing you to run. Or maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord in your life. Jody was talking about the cross, and the cross is the place where we are forgiven of our sins. We can't forgive our own sins. Only God can do that. He took our sins upon himself, and he died on the cross, paid the price for those sins, so that now we can have a relationship with him, enter into that place where we can truly be set free. And if that's you, I just want to give you an opportunity. Just raise your hand and say, I want to be set free by Jesus Christ. Is there anyone here who wants to give their life to the Lord today? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, we...